Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. And uh, for the last several years, I have not approached the topic of finances, uh, but for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be in a sermon series on what God has to say about our money. Everybody seems to be doing okay at this point, but you haven't heard any of the points of the sermon yet, so I don't know if you want to get that excited on the front end, but you know, it's absolutely acceptable to talk about money in church. I'm going to try this side. It's not as full over here, but maybe they'll be louder. You know, it's absolutely acceptable to talk about money in church. Thank you. Stephen's got my back. It's absolutely acceptable to talk about money in church. Here's why. Because the Bible talks a lot about money. Almost half of the parables of Jesus include money, possessions, or some suggestion about our finances. So God uses parables, stories, illustrations to parallel what his kingdom is like. So what we're gonna do is actually dive into one of those parallel, uh, those parables, also a parallel, in Matthew chapter 25. I want you to open your Bible and turn there, Matthew chapter 25. We're gonna be reading today the parable of the talents because this is one of those illustrative stories that Jesus uses and he uses finances to illustrate a value of the kingdom in Matthew chapter 25. I'm gonna read um, all of verse 14 all the way to, I'm gonna go to all the way to verse 30. Is that good? All right. Well, before we read it, let me give you a couple disclaimers here. Um, request first, please, please don't tune me out for the next couple of weeks. Uh, also, please come back. You know, don't, don't think, yeah, they're just doing a series about money. You know, that doesn't really mean anything to me. It does. God cares uh, about your financial well-being. I really believe God wants all of us blessed in the way he's designed us to be blessed. Amen. So please don't tune me out. Uh, don't take the next few weeks off. Don't shut your heart down, but really stir up expectation in your spirit for what God may have to speak to you about your finances. Because I promise you, God cares about every single aspect of your livelihood, your life uh, that includes your finances. I want to also say just from the beginning up front, we are not after your money. All right. What I mean by that is we have no weird wonky motivations. What you give to this church is between you and God. All right. So this is not more about sacrifice than it is about obedience. Right. How many guys know that the Bible says that obedience is greater than sacrifice? And I'm not even pushing you to make a sacrifice today. We've already received the offering. Like we're not going to form a line after this and ask for your money or anything. Uh, all we're asking is that you would receive God's word for your wallet and that you'd be obedient unto him. That's it. How's that? I think that's a pretty good setup. What do you guys think? So uh, I want you to give when you give joyfully, 
Everybody say joyfully. joyfully. And without any compulsion, that's what the Bible says. That means without any coercion, without any control, without any manipulation, right? That is 2 Corinthians 9 and 7. Each, each one must give as he has decided to in his heart. That means you have the power to decide within yourself how and what you are going to give as a response to what God has done for you and what God speaks to you. Amen? Not reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves a joyful giver, a, a cheerful giver. Love that. And so I want us, um, just as the pastor of this house, I want us to grow in good and godly character. And a big part of having godly character is being a generous person. Would you guys agree with that? I'll prove it to you. Uh, the most famous passage of scripture in the entire world, John chapter three, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he, that he gave. Uh, God is very generous. I love to refer to him as the real OG, you know, the original giver. Like he is so generous. And so for us to grow in godly character, we're gonna grow to become more like God. We're gonna become more like our father. And guess what church? Our father is generous. So this is growing in godly character that we would become more like God. Uh, last disclaimer, this comes from 2 Corinthians chapter two. Paul says, do not be unlearned. Uh, one translation says, do not be ignorant of the devil's schemes or the devil's devices. And here's what I can guarantee, that the devil does not want you receiving a fresh word from God about your money. So this side got quiet on me now, so I'm gonna go over here. I'm really gonna have to pump you guys up for a financial series, so just get ready, okay? It ain't gonna be a whole lot of, uh, you know, sermonizing and uh, notes and quotes and rhymes, uh, but I'm gonna do my best to pump you up about your money, okay? I can promise you this, the devil does not want you receiving a fresh word from God about your finances. I, I really believe this church that any area of potential great breakthrough in your life is an area that the enemy tries to shroud with confusion. It's just like the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's like uh, miracles or wisdom or uh, you know, tongues or anything that packs a punch in the spirit, the enemy wants to shroud that with a lot of confusion, with a lot of debate, debate, with a lot of opinions, with a lot of philosophies. And so when it's time for us to learn how to steward our money God's way, we don't wanna listen to the opinions of people. We wanna go to the book and we wanna receive the opinions of God. Are you with me? Okay, so yeah, money, money is, is important and the enemy does not want you blessed and the enemy does not want you to be generous. Would you agree with that? I believe that. Um, you in Matthew chapter 25? Right, let me do a couple stats real quick. We're gonna get to the, we're gonna get to the scripture. A couple stats real quick. I thought this was interesting. Um, this is why I'm talking about money. Um, according to recent studies, most people nobody has to raise their hand, are really stressed about money. 72% report being stressed about money every single month. 22% report extreme stress about money every single month. 76% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. 50% do not have three months of expenses saved. 25% have no savings at all. I think it's safe to say that most of us as Americans are just a few missed paychecks away from a very serious crisis. 
And so my goal as your, as your pastor, if this is your home church, is I wanna help strengthen your financial state so that you're no longer stressed about your money, that you're no longer living paycheck to paycheck, that you know how to save, that you're enabled to be blessed and to be generous, all right? So you have your best interest at heart here. And these are not just stats, church. These are also health risks. Uh, there's been some reports that have come out recently that say long-term financial stress can lead to migraines, cardiovascular diseases, work absenteeism, insomnia, and mental health problems, including depression and other mood disorders. I don't know about you, but there is nothing that can keep me awake in the middle of the night like my money. Anybody else? I'm like, man, God, you're going to have to show up, Lord, you know, and just up in the middle of the night thinking, God, you got to move. If this thing doesn't come through, we're going to be in trouble. Anybody ever been there before? Say amen. Yeah. All right. So let's go to Matthew chapter 25. We'll, we'll read uh, verse 14 through all the way to verse 30. Why don't we stand up? Let's read it together. Why not, huh? This is a good one. This is also tough. This scripture actually is a confusing, a confusing scripture. Um, I have talked to very few people um, who read this scripture and translate it the way I'm going to endeavor to translate it to you today, okay? Uh, I really, there's also layers to this. I'm gonna, you know, like an onion? I'm gonna preach the outside layer. I'm not going deep, all right? If, if you, if you want to go deep, maybe we'll do a part two on the exact same scripture next week because there's some layers to this. Are, are you guys good? Okay, are you guys like, what is happening here? Okay, verse 14. Uh, for it, what's it? The kingdom, that's right, because Jesus is sharing with his listeners a parable. For it will be like a man, who you guys think that man might be? God, going on a journey who called his servants. Who you guys think those servants might be? What's up? And entrusted to them his property. All right, so we're about to talk about the talents. And when people talk about the talents, sometimes they think, oh, the talents, you mean like my gift. You mean like my talent, like my natural abilities, like my charisma. No. The Bible makes it clear right up front that the talents are property, okay? So just let's clarify. Because I know sometimes when the Bible talks about money, there's a temptation to get really allegorical so that we can wiggle away from personal responsibility to respond in obedience to what God's word says about our lives. I said I wasn't gonna get deep. Okay, <laughs> to one he gave five talents. To another he gave two, to another one, to each according to his ability, and then he went away. He who had received five talents, catch this, went at once. Everybody say immediately. immediately. That's how I want you to respond to this sermon today. <laughs> All right? Because the enemy is really good at talking you out of what God may have said on Sunday on Wednesday. But did God really say not to eat of that fruit of that tree? Is that really what God? No, listen, let's all choose to respond today the same way that the good and faithful steward did in the scripture at once, okay? And so at once he traded with them. 
That means he went into some entrepreneurship and he made five more talents. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. He invested a little bit there. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and, they, and he settled accounts with them. How many of you guys know that there is going to be a day that God is returning and he's going to settle up with humanity? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how this is going so far. We're only on verse... <laughs> 20, uh, verse 20, and he who had received the five talents came forward and bringing the five talents more, he said, master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. Everybody say a little. Remember that. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of of your master. Now we've, we've noticed already that the master is returning, but I want to also point out that the master is joyful. Wow. <laughs> you got to catch that. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is a fun topic. Actually, if you'll really set your heart to receive it, you'll actually have joy when it's all said and done. I promise. Verse 22. And he also, uh, who had two talents, came forward and he said, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. Everybody say a little. little. Now I'm going to set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now I want you to notice here twice, uh, both servants received the same commendation, which is you have been good and you have been faithful. Both servants hear the same bit of self-disclosing information about the master and that it is that he is in, in joy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This, is, this is awesome. Uh, are you guys getting anything out of this so far? This is awesome. This is good, man. So good. <laughs> All right, here we go. Verse 24. And so he also who had received the one talent came forward and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. Verse 26, but his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. Notice he did not say good and faithful. Instead of good, he said wicked. Instead of faithful, he said slothful. Okay, this one sentence is absolutely paramount for this passage, all right? This one sentence. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Now, in my Bible, there's a question mark right there. Are you guys seeing that? So it's a question. It's not a self-disclosing statement. You have to catch this. Because if we read it incorrectly, then we'll adopt a mindset that God is actually a thief and that he's greedy. When he's already disclosed himself as being in joy twice. You guys getting this? So important because most people see God as a taskmaster in the sky that is a thief and that is greedy. So he asked him, well, if this is how you 
But if this is what you believe about me, right? That's what he's saying. You wicked and, his, you wicked and slothful, slothful servant, you knew that I reap. Is that true? You, so, so you know that I reap where I've not sown, I gather where I've scattered no seed? You see, doesn't that take on new life? Okay. So we'll make sure we're together. Then you ought to have invested my money with Bank of America. And at my coming, <laughs> I should have received that 0.06% that was my own with interest. So take the talent. Hold on. Oh, no. We're getting all kinds of. This is, this is deep right here. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. Woo! That don't go over too well. Unfair, God. We're going to get into it. Verse 29. For everyone who has will be, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. I want you, I want, I want you to note something here. This is not about a physical possession of what he doesn't have in his hand. It's about the character that he has refused to accept from the Father in his heart. So as a result of his poor stewardship, he said, we're going to take this one away from you. We're going to give it to the one who has 10. Now, remember, this is all a parable. It's all about what the kingdom is like. Verse 30, you're kind of tying the bow on what we started with verse 14. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's obviously not about money. It's about grace. Did, did, did I give enough disclaimers to say this is deep, actually? We could go deeper with it, but this is where we're going to stop today. And uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just, you know, talk to you guys from the topic of the attitudes and actions of increase. The attitudes and actions of increase. So, Lord, I just ask that you would help us, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Uh, Before we want more money, God, we want more of Jesus. Lord, before we want more blessings, God, we want more of you. And we ask, God, for more revelation about King Jesus. And today in that process, God, would you give us revelation about how you formed and fashioned us to be and uh, where you want us to be more blessed and where we need to repent and how we can be better stewards. I pray this over this church today in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 You can be seated. Look at your neighbor on the way to your seat and say, are you ready for increase? Come on. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for increase. Anybody else in the room ready for increase? Uh, let, me, let, me, let me say it plainly. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but anybody else in the room ready to make some more money? I, that's, that's not something people, you know, think a pastor should say, but I think if we were honest and we were out to coffee and I wasn't standing behind this pulpit and we were sitting, you know, down across the table, you might ask me, man, I want to make more money, man. That's fine. Listen, God doesn't have a problem in the world with you having money. What he has a problem with is money having you. It's the truth. No problem at all. So let's talk about the attitudes and actions of increase. Now we've established this as a parable about the kingdom of God. What this parable makes extremely clear clear is a principle that is a kingdom value. Everybody say value. A kingdom value. That means it's something that's important to God's heart 
This is a kingdom value and it is stewardship. Everybody say stewardship. The parable of the talents is really about one topic and that is stewardship. Everybody say stewardship. So the kingdom value that we're looking to unearth today and get in our hearts is God's value that we would be good and faithful stewards, that we would be wise and generous stewards. And so stewardship is a kingdom value. We see that from this passage of scripture. And so we wanna explore the attitudes and the actions of the good and faithful servants because we want to prepare our houses for increase. Now, I mean, you can get churchy if you want to, and that's okay with me, but I'm just gonna be honest before God today, and I wanna say, Lord, I would like some increase. I wanna be more generous. I wanna write bigger checks to the church. I, I, wanna, I wanna give more in my tithe. I don't even mind paying more taxes if I'm that blessed. Hey, praise God. I wanna be a good citizen. I wanna feed more hungry kids. I, I wanna... I want to help Iris Global. I, w I want to help Heidi and Roland. I, I want my kids to be blessed. I want them to send them to the school I want to send them to, Legacy Academy, hallelujah. I, I want to take care of my family. I want to be able to take care of my parents. I want to be able to take care of my in-laws. I want to be able to take care of my wife. I want to give her, a, you know, an upgraded ring, you know. Because I was poor when I gave her the first one, praise God. You know what I mean? Like. I don't know about you. I mean, we can, we can do the religious thing and pretend like, that's fine, I don't even like money. <laughs> but I'm just gonna give you permission today to be like, hey, it's fine, <laughs> okay? It's, it's absolutely okay to want to be blessed so long as your motivation for being blessed is in the right place, all right? So that's, what, that's really what we're gonna talk about, all right? And so I think, just based upon the statistics I've read to you this morning, church, is that... Um, we have a stewardship crisis. Yes. We do, we have a stewardship problem. Uh, we don't just have a, a savings problem, like we don't know how to save or we don't know how to invest. We, we literally have a, a stewardship problem and I think it infects the church in, in, in many ways. And this word stewardship, which we've established as a kingdom value, you're not gonna see that in this passage, but really that is what the whole parable of the talents is all about. It is about stewardship. Now, let me tell you what a steward is, biblically. A steward is a person that is employed to manage someone else's property, especially a large house or estate. And in the Bible, it refers to a person who is left in charge of another person's assets. You, you can communicate to me what kind of steward you are by how you drive rental cars. I'm just saying. You know, it ain't, ain't mine, who cares? Well, see, there's a principle of good stewardship in that, in that you wanna take care of other people's property in the same way or better than you take care of your own. <laughs> I ain't got time to dig into this, do I? But some people, they won't pick up a piece of trash off the carpet in the church, but if you go to their house, you know, it's spick and span, the dishes are out of the sink, you know, they got OCD in the way that they file their books, but then they come into God's house and they're like, whatever, it ain't my job, it ain't my, it ain't my house, it ain't my space, that's what I, you know, given the offering for so somebody else does this stuff. All right, that's poor stewardship. We gotta be better stewards holistically, amen? And so a steward is trusted to do a couple of things, protect, everybody say protect. A steward is, is trusted to maintain. Everybody say maintain. maintain. 
uh, a steward is trusted to nurture, nurture and to grow things. Grow. And to grow things. That's right. That may be a business. It might be a farm. It might be a household. It might be some funds that belong to somebody else. And so what we learn in this story, church, is that in order for us to be good stewards, we've got to handle someone else's possessions very well. And when we do that, it qualifies us before God to be trusted with more. That's what good stewardship communicates to God. And I do believe that God wants to bless you. I do believe that God wants to give you more if you want more. But in order to prepare ourselves for that increase, we've got to be good and faithful stewards. We've got to be wise and generous stewards. So I want you to look at verse 14. I have four points for you. Uh, Look at verse 14. It says this, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and trusted to them. Read these last two words with me. His property. Now, this is such a big key when it comes to money. The Bible clearly states that God gives us his property. And so this is point number one. If you are going to have an action and an attitude preparing yourself for increase, number one, you're going to have to settle the ownership issue. You're going to have to settle the ownership issue. So if, I, if, if any one of you guys in here today, if I had a $100 bill in my pocket and I was like, hey, who wants this 100 bucks? I'm, I'm, I'm quite positive every single person would be like, yeah. And there was like five people. So y'all rich, rich. Okay, I got it. So, if I, the, the, so the illustration was bad. If I had a thousand bucks in my pocket, how many of you guys would be like, I'll go ahead, I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna be all right, right? And then so I gave you the thousand bucks and you were like, yay, I got the thousand bucks. And I was like, hey, can I get a uh, hundred back? How many of you guys would be like, God, what a greedy person. Lyle is asking me for that hundred bucks back. Well, it was mine to begin with. So I'm confused as to why you're so upset that I'm asking you for a tenth. When I gave you everything that you have in the first place, I don't know if you guys are catching the parable, but we have to understand the ownership issue. Everything that we have belongs to God in the first place. So it's actually easy to tithe and have joy when you settle the ownership issue in your heart because you realize everything that you have belongs to God anyway. What a joy it is to return a tenth back to him. See, people talk about tithing as like, oh, that's giving. Tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning. Anyway, we're going to get into that in another sermon. We talk about tithing. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? That means your body's been borrowed from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. The blood of Jesus paid for you through the cross. Amen. So glorify God in your body. You can read it like this. Your money is not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your finances. It's one thing to acknowledge that you belong to God, but how about your stuff? Who owns your stuff? Does God own your stuff? Are you willing to acknowledge that everything that you have, God has blessed you with? My house, my car, my clothes, my kids, my spouse, my money, everything that I have belongs to God. 
That's what the Bible teaches us. Or do you have a, a pile of stuff that you reserve and you say, mine? Wow. What's that, finding uh, Dory? Mine, 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 right? We have to learn how to be generous, church. We have to be exposed to the character of the master that is in joy so that we can become generous people. I don't know if you've ever been around a two-year-old before, but one of the first words that they learn is mine. Right? That old nature is selfish. That's why we're transformed more into the image of God who is generous. And so as we mature, we learn how to part with things and we don't call stuff ours or that's mine, but we recognize everything belongs to God. There's no path to real blessing that does not begin with getting this question fully settled deep down in your heart once and for all. Uh, Psalm 24 and one says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Everything that is legally belongs to God. Why? Because he created it. It's not that 10% belongs to God, 100% belongs to God. It, it, everything good flows from him. But here's the good news. God isn't greedy. Here's the good news, church. God's extremely generous. He's not at all greedy. He doesn't hold things back from us. He didn't even withhold his son from us, and it was the only one that he had. Right? His only son is what the Bible says. It's so interesting whenever it's like time to be generous, and people are like, I would give, but it's the only one I have. That didn't stop God. He only had one and yet he gave it completely, he gave his son completely so that we could be redeemed. And we're stewards of so many things that have been entrusted to our care by a loving, generous God, money for sure, but also people. How about your kids? How about your spouse? How about opportunities, invitations? You are not an owner. Everybody say, I am, I am. not I am. an owner. Everybody say, I am a steward. You got to remember this. God owns, we steward. And when we receive this understanding and we put God first, we're liberated from the fear of loss and insufficiency. If you'll get this deep down in your spirit, I promise you this, you will not struggle as much at all with the fear of losing money or having insufficient funds when it's time to pay a bill. I promise, because you'll say, hey, you know what? I'm not an owner anyway. This is God's money. God knows how to take care of his stuff. I am a good and a faithful steward. And so I'm sitting before him prayerfully asking what I should do with what I have. That changes the game. Listen, I became a landlord recently. Like uh, Allison and I, we moved out of our uh, house that we bought in 2015 and you know, we wanted to own some rental property. And uh, you know what I've noticed? There's a big difference in being a tenant and a landlord. Being a tenant is so nice, isn't it? Hot water heater's broken. Hey, uh, landlord, you should come over here and uh, drop 500 bucks on a new uh, hot water heater. And then as a landlord, like, dang, <laughs> again, something else, you know? But th the reason I say this is because we should have the mindset more of a tenant, less of a mindset of an owner when it comes to our finances. God owns it all. He's well able to provide for us, take care of his stuff. All we have to be is good stewards, just good stewards. No tenant lays awake at night worried about fixing the roof. I can promise you that. But you know who does? I've, I've done it. Allison and I have both, both done it. When, it. when there's a problem when you're a tenant, all you do is you pick up a phone. 
right? The stewardship paradigm is extremely freeing for us. And that's the way that we have to think about our finances. Let's look at verse 15. Matthew 25, 15 says, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each, catch this, according to his ability. That means that the amounts that he gave each steward, he gave in accordance to their ability. Now, this does not go over well today. Honestly, it really doesn't. Because we look at the person giving the money and we say, you know what? This guy is unjust. This guy is unfair. This guy is not treating everybody the same way. But the master gave everybody a different amount and we know that he is still good. And he is not greedy, but he is generous. He gave every single steward a different amount for a good reason. The amount that each steward was given was on the basis of their ability. You know what that means? That the master was aware of their track record. Sometimes people get real, uh, you know, they're complaining. I don't have this. I don't have that. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you been a good steward of what you have been given? If you want to communicate to God that you're ready for more, then steward what you have well. Is this too basic for you guys? Or is it just like a reminder and a reality check that what God has put into your hand is deserving of good and faithful stewardship? Come on, this is the type of leaders and stewards that we're supposed to be. Every single steward had some history with the master and the master had perceived how much each steward could actually handle. Now, I looked uh, Wikipedia, Google, I read, uh, you know, uh, some, some books on, on the topic of the parable of the talent. And believe it or not, that one talent was the equivalent of 32 years wages. So this is like a sizable investment that the master made into the stewards. I'd be okay with that. Hey, come on. 32 years of wages. That's pretty awesome. Now that was in these times, but the modern equivalence of these amounts is one talent is $1.5 million. Hey, that, yeah, it'd be a decent day. Hallelujah. Uh, two talents, uh, just over 3 million. Five talents. How many guys think it was? $7.5 million. That was a five talent guy. He got 7.5 million. So you have what you have for a reason. Can I say that again? You have what you have for a reason. God owns it and he's given, given it to you. And the most appropriate thing that you can do with what you have is to be grateful for it, is to be thankful for it. Remember, you are a steward. And this is actually point two. Be grateful for what you have right now. I know you may not have everything you want to have, but be grateful for what you do have and go to work stewarding it in a God-honoring way so that you can communicate to him that you're, having, that you, that you're uh, doing the actions and that you possess the attitude of a good and faithful steward. I'm ready for increase. I'm ready for increase. Good stewardship communicates to the Father that you are ready for increase. You are ready for more. God wants to bless you. I believe this church with all of my heart. God wants to bless you, but maybe the reason that you don't have more is because you've not been a good steward of what you do have. I know, I know not everybody's feeling the most comfortable right now, but please investigate your heart and your checkbook if you still have those or your bank account or your mint.com account or whatever you use, your budgeting software. Everybody can receive more. 
How do you communicate to God that you're ready to receive more? You ready for this one? <laughs> no? Okay. So, um, by living within your means. <laughs> it's going over so good to millennials, isn't it? With all of our maxed out third credit cards and everything borrowed to the hilt so we can flex. Uh-oh. All that designer clothing. No investments. Uh-oh. <laughs> all right. Anyway, I'm going to move on, okay? So when you live within your means and you steward what you've received well, you communicate gratitude to the master. You say, I'm thankful for what you've done in my life. And if you have done nothing with what God has given to you, then you should not complain about not having more. If you've done nothing with what God has given you, you should stop complaining about not having more. Because God doesn't award complaining. He awards stewardship ability. That's what this parable teaches us. So it's time for you to make some decisions. Let me give you point three real quick. Make a decision. What kind of steward are you going to be? I want you to make a decision today. I want you to walk out of this church today with a decision made in your heart. This is the type of steward that I am going to go about becoming in my life. No longer will I be wicked and slothful. No longer will I be lazy with what I've received from God. But from here on out, today's the day I make a pivot and I am going to be a good and a faithful servant that is a good, wise, and generous steward. That's who I'm going to be. So I want you to make a decision. You must choose what kind of steward that you're going to be. And here's the truth. You're already one or the other. Right now. Before you've made the decision, you walked in here, either a good and faithful steward, a, a, a slothful steward, or, you know, maybe you got your foot in both camps every now and then. Just depends on how good I preach, you know, or, or how inspired you feel by the worship, whether or not you give when that opportunity comes. There's some punches in this message today, isn't there? So what do, what do good stewards do? I'm almost finished here, church. Uh, good stewards, we, talk, we, we mentioned this earlier, but they protect, right? They're not wasteful. They protect what God has given them. But you know what they also do? They expand. Everybody say expand. Many people value, evaluate their stewardship ability upon their budget, budgeting discipline and their debt, their debt levels. They're like, I'm a good steward because I got everything filed away and I keep my, all my receipts. And I, so I'm a good steward and because I don't have any debt, so therefore I'm a good steward. That makes me a good steward. But a good steward biblically is not somebody who has a tight budget and no credit card debt. A good steward biblically is not a maintainer. A good steward biblically is a multiplier. If you want to look at biblical stewardship, you can't look at the guy who buried his talent and said, well, I just got a tight budget and I ain't got no credit card debt and I just kept everything sleek and, you know, no risk, no investment. I'm not doing anything. I'm not going to risk anything for the master. I mean, I'd have to think that the other two stewards, they took a little risk. 
They took a little chance. They said, I'm going to invest this. I'm going I'm to be wise. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be faithful. A good steward biblically is not a maintainer. He's a multiplier. She's a multiplier. They bring an increase to the master's kingdom. A good steward brings increase to the master's kingdom. They, they, they are not looking uh, for like how little they can give, but they are, they are dreaming with God about what they can put their hand to so that they can give more and sow more into the kingdom of God. That's a good steward biblically. That is a good steward biblically. That means that you can be extremely rich and still be a bad steward. Think about it, church. You can be extremely rich and you can still be a bad steward. A whole lot of money and no expansion is bad stewardship. So good. God is so good. His word is so good. God said he wants us to be good and faithful, not rich and ambitious. Notice that he didn't say, oh man, you're so ambitious. You're so wealthy. That therefore, here you go. Let me make you ruler over a lot of things. It's not the size of his bank account that made him worthy of receiving increase. It was the nature of his character and how he was faithful and how he took what he had and he was grateful for it and he sowed it in the right places and he brought back more and he expanded what the master had given him. That's what set him up for increase, not simply the balance in his, in his checkbook. You don't get authority because you're rich. You get authority because you're a good steward. See, whenever you're asking God for more authority in the spirit, God's looking at how you manage your money. And I, I wish I had more time because I'd go deep on this. I could wax deep on this, Brian, here. Because I know a lot of people with money that believe that translates as spiritual authority. That's actually a doctrine of demons. You know what that is? That is the prosperity gospel. That's the belief that your bank account actually is congruent with your anointing and it's untrue. Listen, you, you, you may not have a lot, but it doesn't mean you can't be very powerful in the spirit. In fact, whenever the master looked at the abilities, that word ability right there, guess what word it is? Dunamis. Whenever he looked at the ability of the servants, he was looking at the power of the servants. He was saying, listen, here's what you're ready to handle. You're actually a mature person in your character. You've been praying, you've been fasting, you've been before God, you've responded to conviction with repentance. You've actually stayed on the potter's wheel. You've allowed me to shape and nurture and, and, and change and form your character and your mindset and your generosity and how you love the poor and how, how you take care of widows and how you take care of God's house. You are, you are communicating to me you are prepared for increase and yet there could be somebody over here who's very ambitious very rich very wealthy got a ton of investments and he's like you're not actually a great steward you're not expanding my kingdom Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18 says you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Yes, we have a power, church. As believers, we have a power to get wealth. Please reject any other idea that you have to adopt this mindset that says you have to be in poverty your whole life because you are a Christian. Biblically, you cannot discover that in the scriptures. God says, look, I've put a power, a power, it's the same word. The Old Testament, I put a power in you to get wealth and to be a good steward. And it has a purpose. And it's not so that you can fatten your pockets. It's so that you can expand my kingdom. That's the purpose. I know some people are going to get blessed through this series. I really, I know it. 
I know it, it's, it's, and it's not gonna be because you, you know, start a new business, you might do that, but it won't be because of that. It's because you'll shift your mindset and you'll shift your heart about you're a steward stewarding God's money. And, it's, and it's, as a result, you'll be prepared for increase. All right, number four. Uh, always remember the master is returning. How many of you guys know Jesus is coming back? Amen. Jesus is coming back. Uh, now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The master will return, and when he does, he's going to settle up with humanity. Uh, Romans chapter 14, verse 10 through 12 says, For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Notice, does that sound scary to anybody though, real quick? Okay, so just me. So um, the reason why I think it's scary is because God actually expects expansion. God expects expansion from your life. The master came back expecting, what'd you do with what I gave you? What'd you do with that one life that I gave you? What'd you do with that breath that I put in your lungs? What'd you do with that wife I gave you? What'd you do with those kids I gave you? What'd you do with that paycheck I gave you? What about that time I gave you that raise? What about that time I blessed you here? What about those opportunities that you had? What about those invitations that you got? How did you steward those things? Give an account. God expects expansion from our lives. And, and here's the thing, and I got to close with this, but I want you to notice something. I have so much on this one thing. I wish I could just do both serv- sermons back to back. Cause like I said, this is just the outer onion. And I, I'm fascinated by the topic of money. Cause I think money's actually like a mindset. That's just me personally. Um, and the Bible has a lot to say about it, but here's something you got to get before I let you out of here. I want you to notice something. The bad steward said this, I was afraid. You know why? Because he had the wrong approach to the master. When you're confused about God's nature, it'll actually inform the way you steward your money. You can't be generous because God is a thief. He may, I can't tithe. He may not give me anymore. I can't be generous in giving the offering when I'm prompted by the Holy Spirit because he's pretty greedy. There's no way I could sow into missions. God, you're asking me for too much stuff. Like he does not know your bank balance. Like he does not know when you're going to get your next paycheck. (laughs) The way we perceive God will matter when it comes to how we steward our finances. I want you to notice that rather than a love-based approach to God, the the, uh, wicked and the slothful servant, he had a fear-based approach to God. And when we... uh, approach God in this way, we misunderstand his good nature. And the bad steward went as far as to start accusing the master. He's like, you're harsh. You, you take from people. You, you, you reap where you didn't even sow. That's your nature. He got it completely wrong. And then he started making excuses as to why he didn't return back more. When we have a wrong view of God, church, it will lead to a wrong approach to how we steward what we've been given. If you, if you see God like the first two, man, he's joyful. That'll inform how you steward your money. But if you see him, he's a thief, he's greedy, he's not gonna provide, 
I, I have to guard everything that I have tooth and nail because I may not get another check. When you shift that mindset and you understand that God is the creator, he brings supernatural multiplication, supernatural increase, supernatural abundance. It's easy to live with the constant <clears throat> assumption. If, if, unless we see God like that, it's easy to live with that constant assumption that whatever little bit we do have, that's all there's ever going to be. Bad stewards can be people who refuse to make a budget, but the worst stewards in the world are not those that don't have a budget, but they are those that don't trust God. <laughs> That's how we got to finish. All right, so let's stand. So I just want to ask us, may we have a sense of urgency today, like those good stewards to go and do what we know is right. Don't bury your seed, sow your seed. You know, don't eat the seed, sow the seed. If you're asking God for more, when he gives you more, don't bury it. Don't consume it, sow some of it. I'm excited to talk to you guys about tithe uh, next Sunday. I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna just touch on tithe and I think it's gonna be a special um, time for us. I, I really want you to get the revelation of God's heart for, for our first fruits. So if you're going to come back next Sunday, say, I'll be back. back. Look at your neighbor and say, he didn't run me off. All right, Lord. Well, we thank you so much for being so good to us. We thank you for being uh, joyful. Uh, We know Psalm 2 says that he who sits in the heavens laughs. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. Uh, You are not suffering from lack. And over and over again, you taught your disciples that there is more than enough because you died. We have been saved into a life life and life more abundantly. And so Lord, anybody in this room that's been living off of less than what Jesus Christ paid for on the cross, Lord, we rebuke the hand of the enemy. Uh, We rebuke demonic influence. Uh, We rebuke the lies of Satan. We rebuke every temptation. uh, And we declare we will... turn from temptation today and that we will not embrace any mindset that says there's not going to be enough. I don't have what I need. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make it. I'm not, I'm not going to receive what I need. No, he never saw his seed begging bread, never seen the righteous forsaken is what the word of God says. And so Lord, we receive your mindset for our finances and we bless you today in Jesus name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Can we just bless the joyful one today? Amen. 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 Thanks for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.